All right, so we've got a kind of a special episode here. This isn't really Pelotero Pickle, but it'll probably be published there. We have a guest with us, Walter Beatty. Uh, we are both Northeast guys, so this is going to be a fun one. I just heard him talking about going to market basket and haven't heard that for a while. So uh, Walter Beatty is, he's a baseball guy from the Northeast. He has two sons that have played. You've probably heard of his son, Tyler. Uh, on Twitter, he is baseball lifer one. He's got multiple books out. He's involved with baseball blue book. And there was uh, some recent Twitter interaction that, you know, Walter and I are both, we're baseball guys. And I felt like it would be beneficial for us to have a conversation about some of the, I guess the player development, the, just kind of the industry and just have a real conversation. Cause I, I know Walter's one of his huge focuses is helping parents and helping athletes make good decisions and, and go down the right path. So I wanted to just get on with him and have a nice open conversation. So Walter, thank you for joining. Looking forward to I'm this. I'm doing great, doing Bobby. And I'll try to make sure my R's get pronounced properly here this morning. I won't leave you in the water and all that kind of stuff. No, I, I love, I, I want, I, I haven't had that in a while. So I'm trying, I'm trying to train myself to say y'all cause I'm not good at it. So every time I leave the house, we say, see y'all later. Love y'all. And my little girls are saying it. So well, I got, I got two, I got a three and a both, five. Both the home. boys so now live in Texas uh, with, uh, you know, big, uh, pickup trucks and belt buckles and, you know, uh, so I, oh, yeah. I make sure I kind of throw some Texas slang in there. So all good in the hood. Yeah. You got to go to HEB, get some water burger <laughs> exactly. and, uh, hit up your, right. your Bucky's. Bucky. Yeah. Tell you oh, about Bucky's. Right? Bucky's is real. Bucky's Buc is. When you're from New England and you show up and they say, Dad, I got to go get some gas, and you roll into Bucky's for the first time, you are on overload, overstimulation. I mean, you could buy, you can do Christmas shopping, food shopping, all of the above while putting 20 gallons of gas, you know, in your truck. So quite a unique. It's hard to explain. How, it's it, Bucky's, for those who don't know, is it's it's a giant gas station that's like merged with target. And if target was really, really clean and had right. a billion dollars that are spotless, spotless. Uh, you could go take a shower there when, <laughs> and feel as if you were in the, you know, the Ritz Carlton, that's how clean they are, which is, it's just amazing to me. When we moved down here, we drove through, I mean, we went through like Mississippi and we went to them, some sketchy. Oh yeah. Just not clean, not clean establishments. So Bucky's was like the shining light, the beak. It was like, but you know, the clouds parted and it was the, the bright, one, one <laughs> the of the best light. experience yeah. I've ever had living in New Orleans, uh, for seven years, uh, traveling through Mississippi every weekend, I'd be driving to a ball game somewhere was the required eating at gas stations. It takes on a whole new connotation when you're in the middle of Eunice, Louisiana, and you can get this unbelievable meal at a uh, you know local gas station, and you're looking at the food going, I cannot believe this is, this doesn't happen in New England. It's just like you walk into a 7-Eleven and get wow. a burrito that you have to microwave. Down there, you're getting, you know, home-cooked meals that are, you know, absolutely delicious, and people laughing at you back here in uh, the frozen tundra. Yeah. Wawa's trying to bring it up to the Northeast. They do it in, in the Philly area. Wawa's pretty good. But yeah, it's, it's different. Breakfast tacos down here at gas stations. Right. Pretty legit. Very legit. They're pretty good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's get into it. So the whole the whole topic here was triggered. Uh, so Carson Cross is another Northeast guy, and he was uh, he was getting attacked online by people that we're not even going to mention, but he was, he posted a video of a kid that was, I think, 12 years old, just getting after it. This kid was uh, just working hard. He's posted videos of this kid multiple times. So he's working out, he's hitting, he's throwing the particular drill that got the attention of people. certain people was he was hitting with the PVC pipe, which to me was like the equivalent of playing yeah. stick oh, ball yeah, and using a, you know, yeah. a skinny bat. Yeah, broomstick. I mean, I, I used to have my mom pitch mini wiffle balls to me with hit with a broomstick. I put a, yes. I put a oh, yeah. grip on a broomstick in my in my. And a couple of reasons I was frustrated because Carson's he, Carson's a good guy. He played for he he grew up in New Hampshire. I remember seeing him pitch in the the New England or the New Hampshire Junior All Star Game at Franklin Pierce. He was built like a broomstick. I mean, this kid's I think he's six six. He's tall. He's just he works at it. Went to UConn. Did really well. Got drafted played in the Brewer system, coached 
professionally as well. Now he's at a prep school, does a facility. He's a good guy. Like this is a good guy. And he's getting attacked online because he's helping kids. And it bothered me. So the, I, I made a post just saying like, this is the guy, like Carson Cross makes kids passionate about baseball. He fosters passion, which to me as a coach is probably the best thing you can do is inspire kids and make them love the game and teach them the game. And uh, Chris, Chris Calbello always says like, we didn't choose baseball. Baseball chose us. It's, I, I can't true. get away from it. Right. I don't know how hard I try. I just can't right. get away from it. So Carson's promoting that, but he's getting attacked. And it's hard on social media to figure out who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Uh, somebody made a comment about, you know, this is a multi-million dollar industry. And I'm sitting there going, do you know who's making the most money here? Like the people that care the least are making the most money. If you look at the recruiting organizations, the event companies, and it's just wild to me. It's that so frustrating yeah. because the guys that are in the trenches that aren't doing scalable things, that aren't running events that cost $2,000, that have mandatory hotel stays where they're getting 40 bucks a night per room. I mean, the money that's getting made by not the coaches is way higher. It's not a multi-million dollar industry. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. And we're mad about a kid who's teaching a kid in, in the Northeast where it's cold weather. You got to be inside. It's, there's, there's it's no snow way on the ground. There's like you got There's no way so, around being it's like, well, how do you, and then you get online and you try to do good things and you try to share and then people just attack you and it's really frustrated. So I guess to start the conversation, that was, you know, that's kind of the intro to it because you had some comments about lessons and when to start and, you know, lessons before, I think it was like before the age of 13 or something like that. So I wanted to talk about that and I guess provide information sure. and context around and that. I, and I so, think that when when you when I you think, see I think that's really the, let you go from there. Yeah. the toughest part about social media is where someone enters into the conversation in other words it's very reactive social media is very reactive and so sometimes there's a there's an attachment so you can follow along so somebody has an understanding of where your thoughts are coming from or what they're based on and other times you just put something out there, you know, and I'm guilty of it as much as anyone where there's this frustration and you say, you know, I don't think this is appropriate. And but there's no context behind it. And so I want to address a couple of things. First of all, it's baseball life for 11, not one. And the other thing is, is that the big part of it is. And it's only one L, the the light, the L in baseball and life. Right, exactly. Together. So that's where so I messed two, up. Somebody yeah. told me I needed three L's to be. So, uh, yeah. you know, so here's here's where we're, we're New England guys are, are, are different from the perspective of, and this goes way back before facilities, you know, the, the, the rage of indoor facilities. I never had that. You know, we had field houses and I was taking ground balls on basketball floors and we didn't have pitching mounds. And <clears throat> so, you know, one of the things that I feel strongly about, as you just surmised really eloquently, much better than I could have, is that the people that care the least, they make the most, you know, and I kind of covered this a little bit in my latest book, Plug, The Shift, where you're starting to see these large corporate entities not sports-related entities, uh, are buying into youth baseball. Case in point, a lot of hedge funds are buying into businesses such as PBR and Perfect Game. They bought Baseball America. They own all these uh, components, uniforms. They own skill video companies. They're not baseball people, and they're in it because it's a great business because it's perennial, and every year that somebody exits at 18, somebody enters at six. So to go back to your point with, with Carson, I don't think we should ever generalize youth uh, lessons for lack of practice habits. We call them lessons now. Back in my day, it was just, hey, you want to go practice? You want to go play You know, inside the gym? Okay, well, now we have more of a formal one-on-one -on -one or group instruction can't penalize people for that but when we have student athletes at 12 let's let's say at 11 and 12 there is a and i'm sure you can tell me your age when the bulb went off for me it was about 12 years old you know when i finally said 
you know, I'm bitten by this bug. I love this. And I just want to get to be the best that I am capable of being. And so I, there are boys that are like that. My oldest one was more of a slow, slow fuse, slow to engage. My youngest one was feed me, feed me, feed me. And so I guess it all depends on the parental expectations at these ages. In other words, a 10, 11, 12, and 13-year-old is not going to have the physical, natural strength in order to be what he's potentially going to be at 15 through 25. So at those younger ages, we're learning movement patterns and then building strength into those movement patterns. So my thing is, is I don't like painting with a broad brush. I know that in 140 or 280 characters, it can be characterized that way. But the biggest thing is, is every individual young athlete has different passion levels, uh, what I call give a flip uh, factors, uh, meaning are they really engaged? Are we pushing them or are they pulling us? And all those things have to be taken into consideration. If we're pushing a child to take a lesson for the sake of athletic uh, stardom, it's kind of the wrong piece to the puzzle. If they're pulling us to get better so that they can be the best version of themselves, then boom, I'm all about that. Yeah. No, that's very well said. It's uh so for me the age I think I was I mean 5. I was I have a story when I was very young. We were at uh, SeaWorld in Ohio and they asked who wanted to play baseball with the dolphin and I just took <laughs> off of the stage. I was like 3 years old and the dolphin the dolphin was flipping me wiffle balls and I was whacking them over the tank. I baseball I, it's just it's what I know. It's where I feel most comfortable. It's in normal life I'm a pretty quiet person. You put me on a baseball field and I'm I just the game fits me. The thinking, the anticipation, the the ever changing scenarios. It just but, it fits. But you me. probably and, create um, those scenarios since you were but, five and, in your head. You know, you're creating scenarios, yeah. runners on second and third. You know, and, and a lot of that has been lost. And I want to. We want. We we have to push that back. Like get creative and and get interactive in your brain and anticipate because somewhere in your baseball life those things are going to come true. Like you're five years old and you're thinking, man, I'm going to be up here. I'm hitting this ball. I'm hitting it over the fence. Maybe I'm at Fenway. Maybe I'm at Yankee stadium, wherever you want it to be. I love those types of thought patterns for young players to let them dream instead of scripting. I'm a big fan of dreaming without the script for those early, early ages. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, the, the, it's funny because you were talking about the the, the player driven versus parent driven. It's a really good way of saying it. I've I've definitely been in the cage with you know you don't know who's going to walk when you have a business you don't know who's going to walk through your door and what what they're what's motivating them. So I, I there's there's kids that are just popping into my head right now that I'm I can see them and being like this kid doesn't want to be here and having that conversation with a parent can be tough and most of the time that that would happen I would. I would try to push the kid and have the kid, you know, ask questions that the kid could answer truthfully and you'd see him like looking over at dad or being nervous about how to answer it. And it's like, that's your answer right there. Sometimes the kids like it and you can, you can make the game more fun for them and make them enjoy or appreciate the, the nuances and whatnot. But yeah, the, the, the whole scenario thing and anticipating and understanding where guys are going to be positioned and just playing that game. And most kids, how many kids are actually watching baseball now versus just catching highlights on, on Instagram looking for, you know, the bat flip and there's focus on the wrong things focused on, I don't even want to say the wrong things, but they're not, they're not even learning the game. The other phrase that I always use is kids are playing too many games and not enough baseball. So they're game, 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 game. But then it's like the, the guy's telling them what to do half the time. They're not letting them make mistakes. They're calling pitches for 11 new games. Like, what are you, why are you calling pitches for 11? <laughs> Go, you know, when I, when I coached, and this is where like I, 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 I get a little frustrated personally because, you know, I had a facility, I did lessons. I, you know, I've, I've done a lot in the game in terms of seeing the full spectrum. So I'm very tech focused. Um, I grew up without tech, so I understand what that's like. I never took lessons when I was younger. I couldn't afford them. There's just, I couldn't do it. Uh, but I've coached seven year olds. I've coached 
12 year olds. I've coached at the high school level. I've coached collegiately. I've worked with MLB MVPs. Like I got the whole spectrum. I, I see the whole thing. And when I coach travel ball teams, there was, there was only one game ever that I coached to win explicitly, which is, it was a 15 U game. We were playing the roughnecks, oh, yeah. you know, the roughnecks and they, uh, they're a good organization and they stuck it to us the year before we had a weird dynamic where our catcher was hurt. We had to have a, we had a, some guest players with us. We had a, we had an opportunity to beat them and I wanted to beat them and we beat them. And before I got to the car after the field, this was at the, the Northeast, uh, the NEB complex, or not NEB, the uh, Northeast, in the Northboro. And before I got to the car, I had multiple emails from parents complaining about playing time, that it didn't feel like a team win and all this stuff. I'm like, you've been with me for five years. This is the first time I've coached to win. It was the first time we had like an atmosphere that was more college-like because our focus was always development. And before we got to the, before I got to the car, I had multiple, I was so deflated, just and I, I, the competitor right. in me wants to wants to win, but there's also the balance of development, and it's really, really it's hard. But we also like restructure our entire model so that we would we we had practices in the spring instead of playing playing games because we would get to games and we're like we can't even run a bunt coverage because we don't like we need to be able to practice we need we can't put pickoff plays on what are our first and third situations <laughs> like if if we need to run a double cut. How do you run a double cut? And then we would have kids not come to our practices because they had a youth game. They had a rec league game. I'm like, you're going to go stand at a field for two hours, maybe get a ball hit to you, have some kid throw you, you know, you're going to see 12 pitches and that's your development. Or you can come to practice and get a hundred ground balls, learn how to play the game. So it, it's just, it's frustrating and it's, it's not an easy, it's not an easy industry well, to try to I think do the, well in. Cause the everybody's bigger, bigger part of it is that I had, talked with a high school coach yesterday um, down in Louisiana, and he made a great point. And that point was when you're playing travel ball at these younger ages, if you don't win that, you know, five-team tournament this weekend, eh, we'll play next weekend. We're playing in the, the you know, this Alligator Classic, and we'll get, you know, and so it, it be, kind of becomes – uh, it's these four or five games every weekend that they don't really hold a lot of meanings or, or importance. But when you're playing in that, <clears throat> you know, that community-based, whether it's uh, trout, like, for instance, you just nailed it. You, as a New Englander, know that when I'm playing the Roughnecks, and I'm only using them because you that's part of your story, okay, we, we get up, we get engaged. But if you're playing a team from Missouri and there's no – connectivity as far as to the uh the community side of it then the kids kind of okay we'll play next weekend what i think is missing at those younger ages is the true awareness of you know what's actually going on you know i remember when i was a kid i had this guy who i thought was his name was frank finocchio and he was much like Tony Clignaro, he was just this elite athlete, Hollywood handsome guy, catcher with a cannon. And I'm up here, and Frank was at one of my games because his brother, his younger brother, was on the team. And he said to me, because I was like 0 for 1,000. And he said, well, what do you go up there? What do you look at when you first go to, to get up in the batter's box? I said, uh, the pitcher? He said, he said, you got to look, see where the center fielder is, see where the shortstop is. Uh, is this? They're going to tell you what kind of pitcher they have. Because if that pitch, if that center fielder and that shortstop are, are shading towards right field, and you're a right-hand hitter, this guy's got gas. He's going to be throwing fastballs, and you got to be ready for that. Meanwhile, if if they're all over in left center, this guy probably throws slop, and he's probably going to you know hang a couple, and you're going to pull something. He said. So the first thing is is have an idea of who's pitching. So that kind of stuff stuck with me at a very young age and so those are the types of things that you learn in a game and you know i i think you know that situational awareness and reading the field you know uh michael kadir uh, who's a great youth coach now uh down in greater virginia and he does a lot of team usa stuff he talks about watching the field breathe and i never heard that before and, and I said, and I asked him, I said, gee, first time I've ever heard this. Can you explain it to me? He said, you know, I always try to tell kids 
Watch the field play. Watch the field breathe. Watch the infielders. Watch the outfielders. In, and, and kind of from pitch to pitch, it tells you what they're either A, trying to do, or B, anticipating that you're going to do. And if you watch that and then you engage your mind and you relax your brain to know, okay, that's happened. Now I'm looking deep breath, prepare for the next pitch. And I, and I love that part of youth baseball. Uh, and I wish we would get more <clears throat> involved in that kind of um, discussion as opposed to, you know, who don't worry about a clip, a video clip that we see on social media because it doesn't tell the full story of, A, the student athlete, B, the instructor, where the instructor is at with that particular student athlete. It doesn't tell us a lot other than what was happening in that particular moment. And so if we would talk more in general terms to parents about things like Mike Kadir and what you just shared with us, I think parents would be a lot happier and they'd be able to apply a lot of this uh, themselves with, with their students, with their children. Yeah, so let's let's drill into that a little bit because I watching the field breathe is amazing. That's such a good good way to put it. Um, I, I always I I focus so much on teaching kids how to pay attention, and that's just a really good way of saying it. Like, what are you what are you right. actually watching? Because I grew up watching the Braves on TBS every night because that Nesson didn't exist, the cable, whatever. It's not what it is now. You can't get every game. There was no MLB TV, so there's more baseball available now than ever, and People don't even watch. The kids don't watch. <laughs> so the difference between, you know, if if you're in the Northeast or if you're in the off season, you know, this time of year is always interesting because, you know, the new year's about to be here, football season's wrapping up, mind shifts start to change, and it's like now the DMs start flowing. Hey, can you take a look at my swing? I need the video analysis. What's you know we use the term swinged out a lot that there's so much swinged out that. with players right now. And it's, it's so perpetuated online because kids think that if they improve their swing, they're going to become a better hitter versus being a good hitter with a swing that enhances their hit ability. It's very different mindset, very different approach. But when you go from like this, I'm going to try to loop it back into to what we were looking at with Carson. You know, what should a lesson look like in your mind? I, I know what we structured. And I'll explain that kind of the, my beliefs, but I want to hear from you first about, you know, if your kid does have the passion for it, or maybe they don't have passion for it and they just, they're, you're, maybe it's social right now. What t should you be running out and booking a 10 pack of lessons? Like what, you know, what, what should they be doing? What should that training look like? And you can speak from experience with your sons and what you see with the industry and, you know, conversations you have with college coaches. Nobody cares about your stats when right. you're 12 and years old. That's so what that, what's that the focus? to me is the essence. And by the way, absolutely love <laughs> that uh, swinged out. I, I'm going to steal that. And so when you see on Twitter, I'm going to give you a, a little. Oh, we, we're going to yeah, have gonna to trademark trade, yeah, that. Just tag us. Chris came up with yeah, that I'll one. Give, Chris I'll, came up with that one. I'll give Caesar credit on that one out. too. But <clears throat> so the, um, yeah. the lesson. And so this is really something when I'm talking to parents and breaking it down, you try to tell parents if, if we have to eliminate expectation because I, I don't want to blame social media. The world as a whole has become this whole instant gratification, you know, and video game men mentality, press A to get a double the left and all this other stuff. And so lessons are more about, an awareness of the individual. Let, let's find out what he does really well first. Um, and I like to find out, you know, so when we're doing a lesson, you know, sometimes if, if when I start with tennis balls with little ones and I'll say, okay, you're a right-hand hitter and all I want you to do, I'm going to throw some tennis balls at you and I just want you to catch them with your right hand. And I want to see the eye-hand coordination. In other words, can this child can he basically see that ball into the palm of his hand or his fingers etc so what does he do well and then from there okay now let's put a, a broomstick or and let's kind of see you know if i i use some wiffle balls some bigger softball sized wiffle balls okay let's see what he does well is he making ball strike is there a level of frustration what is the swing path what is his setup um okay now there's an analysis that's been done what i don't like is 
a lot of younger, and I'm not going to just blame them, a lot of instructors want to take what they feel is their proprietary way of hitting and implement it on a child. And I always try to tell parents, listen, if there was a instructor that had the ability to make everybody hit like ex big leaguer, you know, fill in your big leaguer, they would be hired by the Yankees and the Dodgers and everybody would be hitting 300. Everybody drop 30 tanks a year and drop, a, you know, a, a hundred ribs and, and we'd all be happy people. But the problem is, is that <clears throat> baseball is hitting a baseball is hard. It's extremely hard. And at some point we have to tell the parents this is going to take a while. And it's a tough, tough, even if I put a tennis racket in your son's hand and just threw tennis balls at him, it would take a while to learn what he is identifying. And so in the simplest form, I don't like the 30-minute segment. I, I just think it's too crammed in there. We don't do enough learning about the student. We get right into the action with a T or uh, front toss, etc. Um, I really wish more parents had an understanding as to the significance of progression. Uh, I know you know what that means. I know a lot of parents understand what that means. But when it comes to lessons, we can't worry about exit velocity before we worry about ball strike. And you brought up something really I thought was amazing. Things like chase ratios. Okay, for me, bell goes off in my head. Okay, why am I swinging? Because I want, the, I want the student to understand, well, why did I swing at that? Am I anticipating? Am I starting early? Am I seeing the ball properly? So lessons. I like when there's an education format to them and not just an athletic format. I think that's, in a nutshell, if I could, I'll be as concise as that. I like the academic awareness without bog in a progression format so that we can go from first phase of, okay, we, we have good eye-hand coordination, or we have good bat path, or what are we trying to accomplish with the barrel? Do we know how to get the barrel into the proper place? A lot of people do that differently. You might not remember these guys, but if I took Collier Skremsky and I took Dwight Evans as kid, as a kid, they would like, and Carlton Fisk, they change their stances every year. Every year, I'd see Yaz's hands would start here, they'd start here, Dwight Evans would be here, he'd be back here. And so, you know, it's a setup, but that's where they were comfortable. So I think lessons with an academic foundation as to why we're teaching your son this particular way, because he's different. He's taller. He's further away from the ball when you're kind of that – Dustin Pedroia and you're down here, you're kind of closer uh, to the ball. So uh, my thing is, is not all lessons before the age of 10 are going to produce the results that I think are expected. I love that. Because <clears throat> it's, <clears throat> before we started recording, we were talking about the ba trying to balance like that if a kid's doing a lesson, that might be the thing that they look forward to the most right. during their week. That might be like the the highlight of their life is going to work with a coach that they trust, that they love, that they get energy from. That, and It's not about taking that away, but to exactly what you just said, it's about understanding like what's the outcome here? Like, is it, are we building a a ten year old big leaguer? Or do we think that going to do a lesson equals getting more hits? in understanding more of the process of things like, are you swinging right. at good pitches there? The, I, I meant this is later in the, in the notes, but like there's the across the industry, I call it the CrossFitification of baseball. It's kind of a, it's a joke about how CrossFit turned the exercise into the competition where historically people have worked out so they can actually play their sport. Now the workout is the sport. So uh, with Pelotero, we talk about capacity, capability, and performance. Capacity is like weight room, like improve human performance, get bigger, get stronger, get faster, increase your bat speed, hit the ball harder. Yes. Do all those things. If you're trying to play at the highest level, you better, right. you better be fast. Right. This the game is very fast. It's, it's not a fast game to watch. I'll make an argument against most people consider it slow. I think it's a very fast game if you're thinking properly, but, uh, 
you got to be fast. You got to be able to perform at the speed. You need the tools at the next level. And that, that matters not when you're 10, but when you're going to play in high school, you better be realistically probably the top six kids in your grade. If you want to play, if you look at like a varsity team needs six seniors, six juniors to be pretty solid. If you have six good players per class, your high school team's going to be awesome. You better be good. You better be strong. If you want to play in college, what is it? One percent, 10% of kids play in college from high school is the, the, the classic number that's out there. <clears throat> Roughly 10% that play from that advance from high school to college. That, is that the number you that's have? That's the number, but those are the, that's the roster size, right? So like I'll always say to parents. Right. That's not even right, going to start. Right. That's not so starter. I'll always <laughs> say to parents, you know, well, it's 10% of all the high school kids play college. I said, well, let's time out. I said, that's not accurate. I said, because if we take a 35-man roster uh, and let's call 20 of them position players, let's give them 15 pitchers, uh, here's the newsflash for you. Nine of those 20 or eight of those 20 are going out between the lines, and one of the 15 is going to the bump at least to start. So you got a lot of unhappy people because if we're all trying to get it between the lines and that that's our end game, and, and I absolutely love what you just said about energy, and validation when a young student athlete is like man this guy i love being around he builds me up we're not aware of what's going on in the classrooms or maybe at home with siblings or and they might be coming to you all beat up and then you you know you got to build them up a little bit you know and it's about baseball and i'm like you i never ever see the the game as slow you know, and everybody wants to jump on that horse and saddle up that, oh, it's a slow game. We need to speed it up. Do you know what's going on? Do, do you understand the dynamics? In between every pitch, we get a catcher that's calculating where the, the hitter's feet are and what he just tried to do on the previous pitch. The outfielders begin to move around. There's so much stuff going on. We're trying to rush everybody. And, and baseball is this, it's truly an intellectual game that's played by elite elite athletes that can make adjustments on the fly. You know, like this guy's really pumping up some cheese and he's hitting glove side fastballs. I got to really stop. I got to look backside on this. All these things are happening, but yet we're trying to tell people, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. It's not lacrosse. It's not soccer. I'm sorry. I apologize. But the, you know, the, the end game is, you know, we're trying to put runs on the board, but we have to do it methodically. Um, and so I love your concept. I, I love that whole dynamic of building kids up, um, getting them confident in themselves. We're trying to break each other down and, and use words that are what I call 50-cent words, thinking we're doing some kind of proprietary, trademarkable. We're just teaching baseball. We're, you know, It's been around for over 130 years, and after 130 years, only 22,000 of these people have gone on to play at the game's highest level. So, you know, my thing is, is those that love the game, I don't care what level you played at. My, my best coach I ever had in my life never played beyond high school, but he just loved the game and he could disseminate information and make me aware of, of what I should be worried about and what I shouldn't be worried about. He didn't play big league baseball. I don't have to sit and listen to stories. But my big thing is, is find those people that can engage your heart and your mind and stimulate your interest level and your engagement level with the sport. For some, you know, like you at five, Tyler was the same way at five or six years old. You know, he's out here running suicides if he didn't throw a strike, you know. So, I mean, but, you know, Kyle was, like, happy-go-lucky. Like, I really don't care. And nor should he have at five or six years old. But everybody's different. We can't just rubber stamp our, you know, everybody. Because we don't know what everybody, who gets in that cage with us. We don't know what their day was like. We don't know what their week is like. We don't know if they've been picked on all week. You know, maybe they, for me, Baseball was, I couldn't be Joe Green. I couldn't be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Larry Bird. But, you know, baseball, I could be Tony C. But it was up to me to do the little things every day. And like I told you before, I would take a broomstick with rocks and go into the woods and just hit acorns and rocks for like two hours with a broomstick. 
Um, and I don't know how or when that light bulb went on, but finally one day I started to figure out, hey, if I just watch this rock go up and come down and then hit it, okay, I get it. I'm just going to follow and track with my eyes. And But my point to what you're doing is you do that in a new world that we live in with regard to technology uh, and, and way of disseminating information and social media. I mean, social media is a wonderful tool if we allow it to be. It can be, it can be incredible. <clears throat> I always, I always tell people, if you don't like your Twitter experience, stop following the wrong people. Use the mute button. Oh, Just mute right. people. I don't give people the satisfaction. I give very few people the satisfaction of a block because they're going to go and celebrate it. And I, I talk to a lot of people about the strategy with this, but I just mute people. If I don't like, I wouldn't sit with you at the lunch table in high school. I'm not going to follow you on Twitter. It's just it's one like it's that I'm simple. I just, from you right I don't there. another one that's going to, in. I, I don't need your <laughs> yeah. I don't need I don't need right. you in my life. Right. If you're negative, if you take if you make my right. life worse, I, mean, I don't need you in my simple. life. It's, it's really I love simple. it. If I don't sit with you at a lunch table, I'm I'm not going to want to engage with you on Twitter. I mean, the other thing is. is yeah. Do we all have to be right all the time? Gosh, I'm wrong a, a lot, but I, I learned from I learned from young 23-year-old recent, you know, that new college coaches. I learned from people that are 80 that played, you know, never played a day of professional ball, but they, they, they stimulate a conversation. And the other thing I think we're so afraid of is we, we are afraid to discuss in part on neutral grounds. One of us has to win the battle in order for us to disengage. I don't get that. Like maybe there's a topic that we both can be right about, but at the same time we're, we're wrong about. And by that, I mean, when you see something, it's just like that color test, you know, is the, is the dress yellow or blue or green? Okay. Well, I look at, and that's the thing I try to explain parents. <laughs> if I give Bobby Tewksbury and Chris Colabello and I name all these people out and I say, Hey, here's a hitting video. What do you see? We're all going to see something different. That can be similar, but we all see it in a different way. So how I explain it, how you explain it, how Chris explains it, et cetera, especially in written form, could be taken out of context. It, it, it might be misunderstood, but then we it's this gang mentality. That's what I do not like. It's the gang mentality. Okay, well, we hang with this guy, so anything that he says, I, man, we're going to, oh, yeah, we're going to like that. We're going to retweet. We're going to do it. Okay, well. The guy was just making it, having an opinion, just having an opinion. Um, and, you know, and that's why, like, when somebody says to me, well, you're wrong about this lessons for six-year-olds through 13-year-olds. I am, in fact, wrong if we're talking about Bobby Tewksbury and Tyler Beatty at five or six years old. I am not wrong if I'm talking about Kyle Beatty at five or six years old. So my thing is I always try to preface in the general landscape of youth baseball, there are only going to be a fraction of those young boys that are going to be elite right away. Some boys take a ramp-up period. I was one of them. And it's okay to be a late bloomer. It's okay to the light bulb to go on at 13, 14, or 15. And trying to make a decision on who's right or who's wrong, all predicated on trying to get a student-athlete to college at 13 or 14 years old, it's like, what are we doing? Why are we arguing about this? So I like when you send me a direct message and say, hey, well, you're, you're missing my point here. You know what, Bob? You're right. And I had somebody that texted me on your behalf one time, um, random. I said, geez, I know who Bobby is. I said, I can call him. I can talk to him. And 95% of the time, he's right. Yeah. I said, on this one, we agree to disagree but we're we're talking about two different subjects. We're talking about, you know, those yeah. that are the Tylers and the Bobbies at five or six versus the vast majority that are the Kyles, my, my son Kyle, my oldest son Kyle, at five or six or through 10 or 11. Um, and, and that's really where I feel social media bogs down a little bit. Well, I think something that... Uh... I, I try to fight against this all the time as my own personal bias, my lens, the way that I've experienced the world is how I see things. And I try to see that in other people. I try to see it myself. It's hard sometimes because, you know, people, it feels better to be right. Like when I, when I, when I do swing stuff, when I, my, I swear, like my, when I do swing analysis and when I do research about the swing, I 
my sole goal, the thing I'm trying to do is prove myself wrong as much as possible. Because if I if I can prove myself wrong more and more and more, I'm going to get closer and closer to the truth and closer and closer to what works. Where, you know, somebody will, I, I have rebuttal for almost every argument out there. Like, oh, well, this guy does this. This is right. Well, okay. Well, Frank Thomas is way out on his front foot. Well, he's really big. It's like, okay, well, who's Altuve's not? Like, very similar. To like, 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 you could, don't arm bar. Well, Ken Griffey Jr. arm barred. So, like, there's, don't squish the bug. Barry Bonds squish so, the bug. I love, so, like, I love, you could, you could, we could play that game all day. Is, is when you all day, we could play with that game. Donaldson. And, and I go back to the day, and I can remember it with the A's, and somebody threw your name out. And this was, I want to say this might have been 2011 or 12. Uh, somewhere. It was privileged later than that. Okay. I was still in Louisiana, but I was working at a facility, and this guy came in. He's AAA with the Cardinals, and you had been working with a big, big first baseman yep. type of guy. Exactly blonde hair. He's from, he's, went yep. to Tulane, I think. And so all of a yeah. sudden I hear this name. I know. Oh, yep. Bobby Tewksbury. I said, which Bobby Tewksbury? And, and so now I'm thinking, is he thinking pitcher? A pitcher? <laughs> uh, so I come out and I start watching it. I, I, I still ta- I still talk to yeah, it's Mark. Yeah, I, I yeah. still I was just ta- ta- yeah. I talked to him the other day. Oh, smart, well, smart. Elite, yeah, he's right. a doctor he now. Always wanted to be he was a doctor. like right. he was a guy. He yeah. and he is now. He's like right. the too smart kid. He thought he thought every swing could be perfect. And the number of times I'm like, just hit a line drive to right. left center, Mark. You don't need to hit the ball 500 feet to right field. Just because you know it's perfect. Just because you know that's the best result. You need to stop trying to do that it's so it'll happen. Cerebral. It was I like throwing a batting practice. Super. He'd be super talking athlete. in the middle of his swing, like ah, you know. But anyway, he brings up this talking leg kick. And we were talking Jose Batista earlier yep. and the open stance. And yep. So I'm watching and I'm and I'm watching Donaldson. And I'm a s I love watching baseball. You put base when baseball comes on in February now that they're putting JUCO games on. I'm watching JUCO games. I'm watching Division One, Two, Major League, Minor League. Anyway, I'm watching Donaldson. I'm thinking, man, I love this leg kick. I love this whole concept. And so Mark, I'm talking to Mark, and so Mark is breaking it down. Like he is breaking the analytics down, getting into the backside, getting a little deeper, holding a little bit. It's a timing mechanism. Don't worry about your foot. Get your foot's going to get down. And I'm and I'm processing all this stuff. Some kids can pick that up. Some kids struggle. Mm-hmm. So it's not for everybody, but it worked for Donaldson. It, it altered his life. It altered his whole life, not only on baseball, but his income yeah. capacity, earning capacity, et cetera. So I equate that to just what you just said. Not everybody's Frank Thomas. You know, not everybody like Ken Griffey. You're right. He, he had a solid stiff. He had an arm bar. And, and I can't you can't teach that. That's something that worked for him. Um, but we can't say this type of swing will work unilaterally for everyone because if we do i mean you're essentially saying it's a computer game it's a video game because if you swing like this you're going to get results like that Uh, and then it goes back to what you were talking about earlier is that whole we have to recognize what's the what are we chasing what are we swinging at why are we swinging at those pitches um you know when it leaves his hand And, and so i think all of this stuff is what makes a great hitter but you cannot possibly teach chase rate to a six or seven year old and so that's where i know this guy down south and he and if i told you his name and you his name is joey cabaceres and you mentioned his name to mark now he tried to take bobby tewksbury's information rephrase it and make it his proprietary method of hitting i'm like what are you doing i said this guy's telling you it's coming from this person's it's that person's thoughts as it pertains to Josh Donaldson and maybe Mark in some capacity, but you can't take it, rephrase it, and then spit it out and spin it a different way and say, this is my proprietary information. If you use it, you're going to hit like, uh, you know, player X. Oh, and that awesome. happened a all lot. The, all the time. That, that happened a lot where people, people would start saying, oh, that's, that's a, it's like kids would go to a showcase and be like, oh, the coach said that's a toque swing. I'm like, what is that? So, I, I want to circle back real quick because I, yeah. I was talking about capacity, capability, performance before. Capacity is like make your body better. Capability is like what is the actual skill that we're trying to develop? Is it mechanic? Mechanics are a piece, but like if we did a pie chart, mechanics is like 
It's not a hundred percent. It's not the whole pie. It's, it's a, it's a piece of the pie and that's, that's what it should be. But like swing decisions matter. The, when I look at mechanics, I depth, direction, plane, like where's your barrel getting into the zone? Is it on a good plane? Are you maintaining direction? Can you have an adjustable load mechanism? Donaldson, I got labeled as a barrel tip, barrel tip and leg kick guy because of Donaldson. And I understand why it happened. I'm not opposed to leg kick barrel tip. Donaldson needed bigger moves because his what? body needed bigger moves. Bingo. That's the way he needed to load. Just like some some pitchers, some pitchers, they break their arms and they go like this. And some pitchers, like yeah. Giolito, he, right. he's like this. His arms are complete. So there's a, there's a thing called yeah. motor preferences. Um, it's it's going to become bigger and bigger. Matt Swope at Maryland, there's different people doing it, but Matt Swope at Maryland, the hitting coach there, is he has like the exclusive rights in the United States. He is the most educated on it that I've come across. It is mind blowing stuff. It's it's just like your your body's going to want to swing and move a certain way. It's going to want to throw a certain way. It's going to want to run a certain way. And it's that that type of stuff is fascinating to me. Donaldson needed moves to do moves, and and Mark, I never wanted Mark to move like Josh because they're different people. They're different. Right. They have different right. qualities. So. People would always accuse me. Oh, it got really frustrating because people would start coming to me for hitting instruction, and they wanted to learn to hit like Donaldson. It's like, well, I can try to teach you that, but that's not going to be right, right for you. So it got really, fr- it got frustrating. It, got, it really did get frustrating because you're trying to do what's best for people, and they want, you know, customers not always right. That's my like. There's like the business ten- business tenant says, but the customers are all right. They're not, especially in this industry, because you got a bunch of people doing things for the first time, and they don't know the mistakes. And there's so many people that are trying to take advantage of them. So it's it's just a really hard you – know, there's there's tons of consequences when you think about the college mindset and getting into you know, getting into your dream school and getting a scholarship. There's financial implications. There's education implications. There's, you know, big – going to college is one of the biggest life decisions you can make. It's significant. Well, I think so, therein lies the golden it, carrot. Yeah. And, you know, if we had to end this discussion on one topic, it would be this one. It would be the golden carrot that gets put out at these early ages, absurdly early ages of six, seven. I literally had a discussion with a parent of a seven-year-old in Mississippi who was told, and I heard it because he taped it, that the decision that he made with regard to travel baseball would have ramifications because certain college coaches trust only certain travel programs. And the way it was phrased, you would have thought that this seven-year-old, you know, needed to be a part of this team because college coach X was going to ask him when he was 17, hey, what travel team did you? play for it's the golden carrot that everybody's making money off of that nobody wants to to admit and so you know we look at now all these choices that parents are making all with the eye towards recruiting when is my son going to gain the attention of a college coach um and to me Oof, we're, we're doing it backwards. You know, we're, we're, that's not the carrot. The carrot needs to be how do, how do you want to use your athletic ability to gain athletic ex, uh, academic excellence? And that goes for high school, too. I know that you know um, the world of, of high school baseball, at least here in the Northeast. I know in Texas, my gosh, some of those baseball programs, that's 6A and 5A level, I mean, they're good. They're really good. So you, you want to get to those schools, but more importantly, you want to play at those high schools. So let's just worry about yeah. being able to compete for varsity roster spots. And, and let's worry about bringing an understanding of who you are as an athlete and how to use that athleticism to garner a role on a team, to be a part of a team. Um you know, and I, when I put out a social media message about bunting, you, I get, I mean, I, there are arrows in my back <laughs> that come from all over the globe, you know, about, don't you know the statistical breakdown of, you know, outs are generated more frequently via the bunt and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Last time I watched a game, there, there's still people bunting and moving guys around and creating defensive movements and, 
fake bunting is a, used to be an integral part of the game, but yet we talk bunting and we get chastised. And students hear that, and I got to hit home runs. I, I have to hit 100 mile an hour off the bat. Oof. Let's worry about hitting a ball hard. Let's worry about what balls we're actually swinging at and why. And let's teach the kids that ball strike is every bit as great as a home run. Like if I put a ball in play and it's a laser beam at the shortstop's head and he catches it, oh, okay, I mean, that was good contact. Okay, the end result, not so good. Yeah. But it's much better than a swing and miss, you know. So I, that's my big thing. The carrot is put in front of a lot of parents and student athletes at way too young age. We make it a focus, a focal point on social media. And if I, if I could just end on one thing, it would be to tell you and the people that find their way, enjoy the sport. It's such a great sport. It's, it's going to be filled with all kinds of difficulty and sad angry moments but oh man those you know those base hits with runners on second and third and your team down a run boy they are just they're so awesome uh and 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 moving runners over from second to third and then a fly ball sacrifice fly and your team goes up a run in the bottom of uh, the top of the seventh those are great moments that's part of the sport and we should be as enthusiastic and as upbeat about those types of things as we are about the the home runs and the exit velocities and launch angles and all that good stuff yeah no that's fantastic um the the last things that i want to touch on is kind of the roles of technology is you know we're be careful what numbers you're chasing and so a lot of what we're doing with peltero not to not to plug peltero but tracking things that are important and and this this open loop i mentioned before about the crossfitification of baseball where the the focus is so much on becoming better at training with the assumption that it's going to translate and improving your velocity is going to get more outs and hitting you know hitting the ball harder is going to get you more hits and if you're not developing the things that matter you might throw harder and you might hit more barrels you might swing faster but your swing takes longer to execute so you can't be on time so be careful with technology. And I think the last thing on that is if you do have the young player that's super passionate, you have the kid that, that wants to work and loves the game, my best piece of advice is get them in a culture around older players that they can have role models and mentors. And, you know, we used to, we had kids at our facility in New Hampshire that were 10 years old working out with college kids. But the thing that my, the thing that I like the most as a coach is when you can see it click for a player, when every rep matters, when they decide I'm the one that's choosing, I'm going to work hard, not anybody else. When they, when that switch flips, when they decide for themselves that this is who I want to be and this is how I'm going to work, that's the greatest joy that I had a coach. And trying to foster that and make that happen, that was the biggest thing. And if you can put younger players, that the, the passionate ones, I'm not saying throw, if a kid doesn't want to be there, he's going to get weeded out. He's, he's going to be intimidated. He's going to be, he's going to want no part of that environment. The kid that wants to work hard, he want, he's going to want to look over and see a kid really working hard and seeing what it takes. We did a, we did a podcast with uh Bo Bichette. Love him. Love, uh, I mean, love him. He was, when he was, in, when he was in double a and he had a Michael Kadire story. So this is a perfect kind of full circle. So Dante senior was the hitting coach with Colorado when Kadire won the batting title. And Bo, I think was 14 years old, 13, 14 years old. And he'd go out and take BP with the team all the time. And he was hitting balls further at the age of 14 than Michael Kadire was. And his quote, and this was the most, I, I think about this all the time. He said, he, he said he would watch Kadire hit and go in the cage and do his early work and, and really get after his, his prep and everything. So he got, he got and hit on the field and hit balls further than him. And he said, I, I recognize that I had what it takes, but then I saw what it takes. Wow. And I was like, that's so, you saw that at 14 and it, it special circumstances. He's genetically gifted. I mean, his parents, you know, Dante's a pretty good athlete. I do. I don't know She's a Mariana, yoga like, instructor. Right. Awesome. She, was she, I mean, just from a mindset from across the board, really interesting family, really cool family. Um, but for a kid, the 14 year old to recognize, like I have what it takes, but now I see what it takes. That little the play on words there. I was like, man, I can't believe at fourteen that you that, that had that. to be 
And he told, he also told us, he also told us he, he goes to a no stride approach because he didn't want to strike out to dad. Nobody told him to do it. He just wanted to compete. Like, I, I think I'm going to, two takeaways from that. First of all, you should trademark that sentence because it is a thousand percent yeah. <laughs> accurate. That should be on every locker. But the biggest thing that we've done as a whole, as an industry, is we've taken that developmental model. And I, people freak out when I use the term Little League and Babe Ruth and American Legion. I don't want to go backwards when dinosaurs roam the earth. God forbid we go back to a land in time when 10-year-olds are actually playing with 12-year-olds. Oh, my goodness. But my point is, is we've taken that away. We've, we've totally taken that away where the younger players can look up to the older players. Are they going to be scared? Yes. Are they going to be intimidated? Yes. But guess what? That's what the game looks like in real world at the high school, college level that we're all working towards. But when you surround yourself, and that, and I get it, I, I know when people come back to me, well, you were a college coach, so therefore your sons had special preferential treatment. No, they didn't. But my boys were able to see what it actually looked like to work at a craft, either as a pitcher, an infield, or a catcher. And then there was some form of emulation. But we've sterilized the game now where we only let eight-year-olds see other eight-year-olds. And then we get the classic, he can't be eight years old. He's driving here. He's got facial hair. And who cares? The game is – if I took a Bobby Tewksbury and a Chris Colabello and I said, okay, we're going to go out to the field. And and this is like when you guys were like 10. And, you know, oh, he's too big. There's no way Bobby can play with that. He's too big. He's going to hurt my son. This is the problem with the sport is we're trying to control like a video game. Okay, only 10-year-olds that are as tall as my son. And they don't throw as hard. They don't throw that hard because, you know, I don't want them to throw too hard. That's not what baseball is all about. So you nailed it. If I could wave one wand and just be granted one wish, travel ball is never going away. I know that. And it's great for the game. I really love travel baseball at its truest form of why it was started. But please, for the love of God, bring back 10, 11s, and 12s, or at least 9s and 10s, 11s and 12s, 13s and 14s. At least meet me halfway and let's play with multiple age groups at the younger levels because it's going to help with the development of the sport. You don't even have to look, just look at the Latin players, mm -hmm. those kids. And please spare me the whole Academy thing. The biggest thing is, is they go out and play organic, not organized. They go out and play with older players, younger players, smaller players, faster players. They don't care who's too big, who's too small. Please bring that to the world of travel baseball. And you'll, you'll see a growth and a development of the sport that will explode and make the game better better at all levels for all all participants love it yep just when you were saying that i had flashbacks to uh i'm going to shout out the the people when i was young like i'm talking when i was 10 years old this was like the scott duponts the pj mccoys the eric harvey's the craig massey's the the mike perkins like these are the people that i still to this day are the guys that i wanted to be like when i was 10 years old I remember them. I can I can see Lions Field in Hudson, New Hampshire, watching them play. But but that's we need that, that back. Was so powerful. We need that. I mean, for me, it was the Frank Finocchios. And when I say he was probably three years older than me, you know, but yet he was the guy. I wanted to catch like him. I wanted to lift weights like him. I wanted to hit like him. And, and but we don't allow the younger players. We we get them to think about. 10U major, 10U minor, 10U AAA, 10U AA, all these U SA terms that are now getting gobbled up by, you know, the alphabet folks. But it, we got it. We got to bring back these multiple age groups. Got, you just got to do it for development of the sport. Long, long lasting. Yeah, that's awesome. Really well, I appreciate stuff. it, Captain. Really I, stuff. I, really I love all this. the things that you do. I love everything that you and Chris, I try to get Caesar to, you know, I've been trying to wave to him on social media. He kind of blows me off like, I don't even know who you are. Just say swing. <laughs> Just ask him uh, Ask him if he's got any swing doubt. That'll get his attention. All right, now I know the lingo. Because no, I, I, I guarantee he's going to. He's going to say, I'm a better hitter now. I can hit 300 off the couch. But he's got a whole bunch of cliches that he uses. But, yeah, ask him okay. if he's got any swing uh, that'll, 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 that'll make his, sure he responds. That'll raise okay. a flag. 
Yeah. Well, happy new year, captain. And uh, keep doing awesome. what you're doing. I'm a huge Same fan. And, uh, uh Texas, if you're ever Thank in you. uh, Kingwood or Pearland, one of the BDs are living in either of those cities or towns in Texas. Very good. Very good. I don't know where, I don't even know that. I don't, every time people mention the town here, I got to <laughs> Google it because Texas is not a little bit just bigger a than tad, New Hampshire. And just a tad, a whole so. lot flatter too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. So again, thank you so much. I'm glad we did this and uh, I hope it's really helpful to people listening. So uh, for me, you can find me on Twitter. It's, it's a uh, Tukes hitting the H should be capitalized there, but it looks like something else. So that's always the joke. Uh, Pelotero is the, we're Pelotero app on the social media on Twitter and Instagram and uh, baseball lifer 11. I that's apologize okay. again for getting that wrong earlier and, Check out Walter's information. If you just follow Walter, you're going to get a good feel for who he is and what he stands for. Uh, he's just constantly putting out stuff to help people. So good things all around. Thanks again. This was really fun. Thanks.